Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Oh, yes! And the Ice Bears win 3-2 in overtime! Welcome into the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. The My name is Joel Sunderberg. I appreciate Google Podcasts or on Spotify. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the KIB podcast. We've seen an uptick in listenership over the last couple of months. We really appreciate everybody inside the Ice Bears fan base and outside of the Ice Bears fan base around the rest of the SPHL who uh, are taking the time to check out the KIB podcast. So please like, subscribe, follow, however you tune into your podcast, whether you're doing so on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Thank you so much for keeping the podcast going, and we appreciate everybody for tuning in. A lot to unpack. We're going to get into some insider detail about what happened with the Knoxville Civic Coliseum last week and what is set to happen this week as the Ice Bears had to postpone their two home games from this past Friday and Saturday. A little bit of roster news for the Ice Bears over the past week and a lot to unpack with the SPHL as eight games were still played over the course of the weekend, Thursday through Saturday. So we'll talk about all of that as well as look ahead as to what's happening for Knoxville this upcoming weekend. So from a roster standpoint, Jordy Stallard, since the last time Knoxville played, which was two weekends ago in Macon, Jordy Stallard has been called up to the ECHL to Kansas City. And now Marco Costantini has been called up to the Idaho Steelheads after he was named the SPHL Player of the Week for his brilliant performance against Macon, shutting out the mayhem on Friday night and then giving up just one goal on Saturday. So the Ice Bears, the last two weeks that they've actually played games, have had a player named the SPHL Player of the Week. And each of those players, Stallard and Costantini, have been called up to the ECHL. In other roster news, Cam Huff has left the team. If you have been following transactions, you saw that he was placed on team suspension. He has opted to leave the team to take an opportunity to play overseas in France. He is playing in the same league as former Ice Bears Rourke Russell and Jagger Williamson, who both opted to take those opportunities to head to Europe during this past offseason. Of course, Russell and Williamson both played for the Ice Bears last year. So, both of those players already over in France, and now Cam Huff has joined that same league over in France. So Cam Huff has left the organization and has made his way elsewhere. So he has been placed on team suspension. It's not for disciplinary reasons. It is uh, simply so that Knoxville can maintain his rights should something happen and he decide to return to Knoxville, but as of right now, he is no longer on Knoxville's team. Zane Steves is still on the IR. Christian Stead is still with Tulsa in the ECHL at the time that I'm recording this podcast. So as far as an active roster, Knoxville still has room for a goalie and a skater, likely going to be a forward. Um, And talking to Andrew Harrison Monday morning, the plan is to try to fill those needs before Knoxville faces Birmingham On Friday, Cody Karpinski right now is the only goaltender on the active roster. Zane Steves is still with the team, but uh, as of right now, he is to remain on injured reserve, uh, though we will see how his status develops as December 
moves along. And so for Knoxville, it's also tough because now they've lost two first-line forwards in the past two weeks since their last game, and now they have lost a really solid goaltender in Marco Costantini as the Ice Bears get ready for a visit from Birmingham this week. So to recap what else happened around the SPHL, uh, Peoria taking two of three on the weekend, sweeping two games against Quad City, and then falling to Evansville. I thought Peoria looked really, really sharp, especially in the third period of that game on Friday. They were down in the third period, scored the game-tying goal, took advantage of an extended power play to uh, punch themselves ahead for a 6-4 win. But I thought overall uh, Peoria was flying around the ice. I thought the forecheck looked really good. I thought they moved the puck pretty efficiently. And I thought going from left to right in the zone was really efficient for them, trying to move Brett Moran uh, laterally in the crease. And ultimately, it got him out of position once or twice, and that was enough for Peoria to move ahead in the third period. So uh, Peoria, you know, having to play three games in three days can be kind of tough. And so maybe just uh, got a couple of tough bounces against Evansville on Saturday, though it was a good weekend for the Thunderbolts. They were in a tight game going into the third period against Huntsville on Friday and then pulled away with goals in the third period and ended up beating the Havoc 5-1. to one. So uh, that's a nice win for the Thunderbolts, who have now won three straight. They've won four of their last five. They've got wins against good teams, too. So Evansville now trying to make a charge, getting up in the league standings. They have surpassed Macon um, through 18 games played for both teams. Evansville now has 13 points to Macon's 12. And suddenly the Thunderbolts have won five of their last 10 games. So a bit of a tough stretch to start the season for Evansville. And Knoxville can certainly relate to that. So now you've got uh, scrappy teams across the board, which I think has been the case all along. But now you're starting to see results for Evansville. Um, For Macon, obviously, wanted probably a little bit more. The one game they played over the weekend, a 4-1 to loss to Fayetteville. It's a Fayetteville team that continues to be um, in the number one spot in the league standings. And so... Uh, Macon, though, with those four post-regulation losses is what has kind of kept their points total within striking distance within the rest of the league, even though they've lost nine of their last ten games. I I thought Birmingham and Fayetteville, I thought for Birmingham, they played two really good teams and in in two really competitive games, uh, scrapped out a two-to-one win against Fayetteville at the Pelham Civic Complex. Really good defensive battle with Uh, Birmingham coming out on top. Hayden Stewart, the reigning SPHL player of the month, continues to be really good. And he was excellent on Saturday as well against Roanoke and put Birmingham in a position to win the game. Roanoke tied the game in the third and then ultimately won it in the shootout. And so I thought it was really impressive uh, the way that Roanoke continued to battle after having power play opportunities early. They were failing to convert. Birmingham gets one. They scored quickly on the power play. And then Owen McDade tied it early in the third, but both Hayden Stewart and Austin Rodebush really, really good in net for their respective teams. And I think you're really seeing a big difference with how Roanoke plays when Rodebush is back in the lineup. And and that's the thing. I talked about this with Mitch Stewart, the voice of the rail yard dogs last week. We don't really talk about goalies being high energy guys, but when Austin Rodebush is in the lineup really does seem to bring a lot of confidence for that Roanoke roster. Not that they don't have it when, it's been Tyler Roy or Brody Clay so far this season, but obviously you've got the reigning playoffs MVP. You have a guy that's been an all SPHL selection. He's played very well in, in for multiple teams over the course of his career. And wherever he goes, he puts his team in a position to win. And it's been the same thing for Hayden Stewart so far this season in Birmingham, two goalies that have played exceptionally well. It was a bit of a goaltender's duel at times 
over the course of that game on Saturday came down to a shootout and Roanoke was able to get the last laugh. So I, I thought it was a really nice game for both teams. Obviously, Birmingham having to fight off five Roanoke power plays and then Roanoke kind of having to fight off the Birmingham attack in overtime. So I, I think what you had is, you know, Birmingham trying to get a measuring stick of where they were at by playing two really good teams. And they, you know, they're a team with all this firepower with guys, you know, like Scott Donahue, who I think is a really good shot creator. McGregor Sinclair has been a nice addition this year. And then Carson Rose, Brian Bowen, Drake Glover, who I thought was a nice offseason acquisition. Nikita Kozarev, who is kind of that speedster who can set up guys, but he can also go score when he really has to. So I I thought it was a good, I, I thought it was a good test for Birmingham. And so they get three out of four points. That's really not a bad weekend for Birmingham, you know, getting a win in regulation against Fayetteville and then getting a point on the road against Roanoke. Um, and so for Fayetteville, they, they get a weekend split. Huntsville, after losing to Evansville, they go back home and they beat Pensacola. So um, Pensacola is kind of an interesting team. Talked about this a little bit earlier in the month. Pensacola has been undefeated at home. Uh, the, the record has not been the same reflection on the road. I still think it's a good team, uh, but definitely want to, you know, curious to see which of those trends either start to level out or if any of them get completely reversed. You know, do they continue to be dominant at home or do they start to fade a little bit inside the base center or do they start to pick it up a little bit away from Florida? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how all of that plays out for the Ice Flyers because I think we've seen the talent on display, but at the same time, can they go win games consistently outside of Florida? So far, they just haven't gotten the results. Quad City's kind of interesting because they've only played three games outside of their own barn, and those three games have either been at Peoria or Evansville. So they haven't left the Midwest. They're going to for the first time this season. So uh, they dropped two games. They were supposed to play Knoxville on Saturday. That actually would have been their first trip to the South. And honestly, Quad City's probably the only team that benefited from uh, the, the, the miscue there with the Knoxville Civic Coliseum because Quad City, after playing in Peoria on Thursday, which was a day game, but still kind of a, you know, it's a weird schedule game. You're playing at 1030 in the morning local time. They then had to turn around, play Peoria at home on Friday night at what would have been 710 local time. So 810 Eastern time game probably wraps up at about 1045 or 11 o'clock Eastern time. So by the time you get you know, showered off and, and you get ready to eat your post-game meal. Even if you hit the bus right after that, you're probably not leaving till 12 or 1230 Eastern time. It's about a 10-hour bus ride to get from Moline to Knoxville. And then it was going to be a 6 o'clock puck drop for Quad City. So it was not going to be ideal for the storm. And now that game that has been rescheduled for March 24th, which is a Sunday, Quad City plays in Evansville the night before. So... For the storm, it's a it's a much more favorable setup because now it's only about a five hour drive instead of having to move all the way around and and having to drive from Moline to Knoxville overnight. Um, and so, or excuse me, they're not in Evansville; they're in Roanoke. So that's actually a shorter drive. So they'll be at Roanoke for two games on the twenty second and twenty third, and then so now it's only about a three and a half to four hour drive, four and a half hour stops uh, to get from Roanoke to Knoxville. So much more favorable setup for Quad City. And then the other game that has been postponed was supposed to be against Roanoke. That game is now going to be on Sunday, January 7th. And for the Rail Yard Dogs, uh, they were already kind of going to be 
their situation as it was wasn't going to be too bad. You know, Friday was obviously going to be their first game of the week. Uh, but now that game on Sunday the 7th, it now becomes a home-and-home. Home. So Knoxville is in Roanoke on the 6th. Now they'll head back to Knoxville on the 7th. So it's, it's really not too bad from a travel standpoint for either team. And then, uh, so it's a home-and-home home for Knoxville. And then that game in late March, the Ice Bears are uh, at home on the 23rd. So Knoxville doesn't have to go anywhere. So from a travel standpoint for all three teams involved with this weekend, it's probably a little bit better across the board for the three teams because that was going to be an absolutely brutal stretch for Quad City. And now this upcoming weekend for the Storm, they're in Birmingham on Thursday, they're in Huntsville on Friday, and then they're against Knoxville on Saturday. So for the Storm, uh, getting back to the point I was trying to make is that this upcoming weekend is going to be their first trip outside of the Midwest. So we'll see how Quad City handles um, its first true road test of the season. But so far, they have only played three games on the road, and they're 2-1 and one in those games, uh, which actually makes them just one of two teams that have actually won at least half of their games played on the road this season. There are a couple of teams that have positive records, like Roanoke is 4-3-3 and three on the season, so they've only won four out of ten road games, but they have a point percentage above 500 because of those three post-regulation losses. Same thing with Birmingham. They're 4-2-3 and three in nine games, so... They have a really good point percentage on the road, even though they've only won four out of nine. Fayetteville is the other team that has at least won half of its road games. They've won five out of nine. They have one overtime loss. So the point percentage is identical to Birmingham through nine games, uh, just with one more win and two fewer post-regulation losses. So uh, home ice advantage has shown to be really important so far this season. But again, um, you've got a, a handful of teams that have not had to be on the road a whole lot so far this season. Macon and Evansville have only played seven road games. Quad City has only played three. Birmingham and Fayetteville have played nine. Everybody else has played 10 or more. Knoxville has actually played more road games than any other team in the league this season uh, with 12 of their first 17 games being on the road. That's kind of normal for Knoxville, though, just because of you know they try to avoid the Saturday home games. They try to... Uh, you know, not have those conflicts with the University of Tennessee football program. And so that leads to more road trips in October and November and then not really having a Saturday home game until about mid-December. So this past weekend was supposed to be Knoxville's first Saturday home game. Um, instead, they'll have to wait until this upcoming Friday and Saturday when they host Birmingham and Quad City, respectively, for the upcoming weekend. And I, I think you kind of look at the board from top to bottom. So Fayetteville's loss to Birmingham for a brief moment actually put them behind the Bulls in terms of overall point percentage, and then Birmingham's loss and Fayetteville's win put them back in first place. So both from an outright points and point percentage standpoint, Fayetteville has 28 points, Birmingham has 25. Now the Bulls do have two games in hand over Fayetteville, so if Birmingham makes up those two games with wins, then yes, they would overtake Fayetteville um, as far as points are concerned. Peoria dropping that game on Saturday. They sit with 23 points at 18 games played, so they're two points back of Birmingham through the same number of games. Uh, Pensacola sits in fourth place with 22 points. They've played 19 games on the year. Roanoke with 17 games, uh, 21 points. They um, had a really solid weekend um, picking up the win, obviously, and then not, you know only getting to play uh, the one game, but it's a, it's a nice win against a good Birmingham team. Huntsville gets a split. They sit at 20 points, 20 games in, um, an even 500 record, 9, 9, and 2 
on the season. Quad with still games in hand over everybody. The fewest number of games played so far this season. By far the fewest number of, ga- of road games played this season. Just 15 games. They're 8-7, and seven, 16 points. Knoxville has 16 points through 17 games. They're 8-9. and nine. Evansville through 18 games. They've got 13 points. 6-11-1, but have won their last three and four of their last five. Macon, 18 games. 4-10-4. 12 points. So, uh, just a couple of Games back of Knoxville for that number eight spot right now. Um, and so it, it's really an interesting test. So I think you see a lot of parity in the league, and there really aren't a whole lot of easy wins. And for Knoxville, the last four games that they've played have all been against Macon. And granted, Knoxville won all four of those games, but they only play the Macon twice more for the rest of the year. They only play Evansville three times more. So, and, and again, you, like I said, you can't count those as easy wins. Because the one time that Knoxville played Evansville, they needed to kill off a bunch of power plays and still only came away with a one nothing win at the Civic Coliseum back in mid-November. But for teams that have losing records right now, Knoxville, Evansville, and Macon are the only teams that have a 500-point percentage or worse. and Or worse than a 500-point percentage. Huntsville is right there at 500. And so it, Knoxville doesn't play those two teams a whole lot, which means... The majority of the rest of Knoxville's schedule, there's 39 games left in the season, and 34 of them are going to come against the seven teams that Knoxville is currently looking up at in the league standing. So it is going to be a grind. Now, what should give the Ice Bears some confidence, they've got a win over Fayetteville this year. Last time they played Birmingham, it was a very tight competitive loss. They've got a win over Peoria. They have one competitive loss to Pensacola. Haven't played Roanoke yet. They're going to get them 11 times this season. They have a win over Huntsville. Haven't played Quad City. They'll play four games against the Storm, the first coming up this Saturday. It is going to be a a bit of a gauntlet for Knoxville to try to maintain and climb up the standings, especially having two first-line forwards uh, currently not with the team as of now and losing a goaltender in Marco Costantini who had provided a huge boost for Knoxville's last road trip down to Macon. Uh, so we're going to discuss what happened with the finer details of what happened at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum last week and, and provide a little bit of insight on that uh, as Knoxville gets ready for two home games this weekend coming up right here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. So chances are you have heard by now what happened last week. The Knoxville Ice Bears two home games against the Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs on Friday, December 15th and against the Quad City Storm on Saturday, December 16th, were postponed due to what the uh, building management called an unforeseen mechanical issue. What ultimately happened was the uh, ice chiller for the Knoxville Civic Coliseum's rink uh, broke. <laughs> and it just, it just went out. Um, the backup chiller was not available after it was recommended by the organization to be replaced over the summer, the city deemed it not an emergency and did not invest the appropriate funds to have it replaced. Uh, I guess the city felt confident that the primary chiller would be sustainable through the course of this season. Um, but when the nativity pageant came in and you know they had to you know, t- tear up the ice and remove it and then in their attempt to bring it back in, the chiller was no longer operational, and so there was no ice to be made. And, uh, yeah, so the ice bears were without ice. Um, so I've seen a little bit of discussion on social media about whether this is to the fault of ASM Global, which is the 
venue management company that manages the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. And the organization has wanted to make it abundantly clear that this is not on ASM. So, yes, the ASM, ASM is employed by the city of Knoxville to maintain the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. But when there are major repairs that require a lot of funding, um, those POs go through the city. And so when the city refuses to fund those POs, um, it's not on ASM at that point. So the ASM is supposed to get its funding from the city of Knoxville. City administration decided that didn't need to replace the backup chiller right then and there. And by the time the chiller broke, um, there wasn't enough time to get a replacement chiller in there because it, it's a several day process to get the chiller installed, start laying the foundation, get the ice in, get it painted. Um, by the time that it had happened in the middle of last week, it was not possible to, even if they had replaced it that day, if they had gotten the chiller replaced and installed and started freezing the floor that morning, um, it would not have been enough time to get everything up and running by even by Sunday, there was supposed to be the Kevin Swider Christmas classic this past Sunday that has had to be moved. Uh, there wouldn't have been enough time to even host that event. So the entire weekend was essentially a wash um, as a result of that. So um, the, the organization just wanted to make it very clear that um, they're not pointing the finger at ASM Global because they don't believe it's the fault of ASM. It, it's ultimately the responsibility of the city in this regard. And so just kind of wanting to make that clear. Um, and if you've been following local news, uh, it's been a lot of conversations with different television stations, newspapers, radio stations, media outlets across the city of Knoxville, but just kind of wanted to shed a little bit of light on that. Um, as far as this week, the chiller was, the new chiller was reinstalled um, over the weekend. They are working on it as we speak, um, starting to lay the foundation right now. Um, and so the plan is, is that over the next couple of days, uh, that everything is going to be, you know, ice is going to be put in, it's going to be painted, the lines are going to be painted, logos, all that stuff, and uh, everything should be good to go for Friday. I'm told that the expectation is that the ice will actually be ready and usable on Thursday. So a, a bit of a day as a cushion to have the ice ready to go at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum, so games this Friday and Saturday are all set. So um, which is good news. Um, and so obviously a lot of, a lot of frustration from the organization and, and yes, the games have been rescheduled. The one for Friday is now Sunday, January 7th at five o'clock. The one for this past Saturday is now Sunday, March 24th at five o'clock, um, to try to, you know, and, and appreciate Mickey Gray and John Dawson from Roanoke and Quad City respectively working so hard with the organization to get those rescheduled as fast as possible. But um, you know, I, I just kind of want you to hear the, the, I guess the outcry, if you don't, haven't had a chance to follow the local news, um, WBIR channel 10, the NBC affiliate, uh, the local NBC affiliate for Knoxville, um, sent Aaron Velasquez, WBIR's afternoon reporter to speak with Ice Bears GM president and co-owner Mike Murray. They, these were Mike Murray's comments, um, when he spoke to WBIR the other day. So the building's severely underfunded. It needs to be it needs to be kept up to, for us to survive here. So that's Ice Bears general manager and president Mike Murray again. That audio courtesy of WBIR NBC Channel Ten here in Knoxville. Um, and obviously, there's there's been a lot of frustration, and Mike Murray expressed a lot of frustration um, in the initial press release sent out to the media when we first announced that the games were going to be postponed. Um, the, you know, the organization felt like this was a preventable error 
and it wasn't prevented. And the city had a chance to do the right thing during the summer. And instead they're having to, you know, go through a much more labor intensive and uh, a much more costly fix to make sure that the ice is up and running. So the ice bears don't miss another two weekend games for this upcoming weekend. And uh, so that same story by WBIR and Velasquez reporting, um, this is Knoxville mayor, India Kincannon with her comments on the matter. It's not a lack of awareness of the problems. It's a lack of um, potential revenue sources to address them. We can do a short-term fix to make it right for this season, but what is the long-term fix? Um, what's best for the community and what can we afford? Knoxville Mayor India Kincannon, once again, that audio courtesy of NBC Channel 10 WBIR in Knoxville. What's most concerning, honestly, is that the first part of those comments, the fact that it wasn't a matter of a lack of awareness. Listen to this again. It's not a lack of awareness of the problems. So administration knew and still didn't take action. That's what I think is the most concerning. And I understand that revenue and funding are important. I understand that administration is always worried about revenue sources and what can the city afford and where you you got to pick and choose where you can pour money into but the city is having to pay more money now to correct this problem than it would have spent if it had replaced the backup chiller during the summer when the line item was presented so i i get that money has to play a role in in all these discussions and that the knoxville civic coliseum is not the only city funded building in the town that needs repairs or needs maintenance but you know, it kind of, you look back on it, this would have been a much more cost-effective situation for the city if it had made sure that it was preventing what it could have prevented this past weekend. Because there were no other Fridays and Saturdays available throughout the regular season in the SPHL schedule that Knoxville could have rescheduled these dates. And, and you know, it's figures that Knoxville just had a Friday-Saturday off at the beginning of December where the league didn't schedule the Ice Bears to play any games where, you know, it, the situation could have been reversed and Knoxville would have just had this free weekend that, like, oh, hey, we'll just play on that open weekend. No, Knoxville plays every Friday and Saturday from now through the rest of the regular season. Every single Friday and Saturday. They're either at home, on the road, or a mix of the two. And... That means that the games that were originally scheduled for the weekend, this was going to be a big weekend for Knoxville just from a revenue standpoint. Um, Friday's game alone on Wednesday, so more than 48 hours out from puck drop, already had a presale of 3,000. And so usually what that means for us, again, it's a 5,000-seat arena. Usually what that means is more tickets get sold in the final 48 hours in the lead-up to Friday morning, and then you've got walk-up, um, you know, fans that show up and buy a ticket at the game. Usually a pre-sale of 3000 on Wednesday. I mean, usually you're, you're talking about at worst a 4,000 seat crowd. Pre-sale of 3000 is really, really good. And it, it sucks for the ticket staff with the Ice Bears, the account executives that work tirelessly during the offseason trying to sell season ticket packages. And then they go into selling game by games, different promotions. They work week to week to try to make sure that each game, you know, brings in the crowd and this was such a big weekend for Knoxville because, first of all, it was the first Saturday home game of the year. Friday, Saturday, um, you know, weekends are always big. But also, it's early enough in December that the Christmas holiday hadn't technically arrived yet. Like, obviously, it's Christmas break for schools and stuff. But it's early enough that not everybody had gone out of town, but late enough that the semester had ended. 
And that's why it was going to be kids run the show night on Saturday. And so now kid takeover night is scheduled for a Sunday afternoon at five o'clock. Now, granted, it's in March, so you've got a little bit more time to try to sell tickets for that game and whatnot. But now it's a school and work night. Both the games are. And, and for the first game for Friday night, pre-sale 3000, those tickets are redeemable. Yes, but there's also been a lot of groups, a lot of large groups at that that had been canceled for Friday and may or may not be rescheduled. And now that game has just been moved to three weeks after the original date. That Friday game is now January 7th. So the ticket staff does not have as much time to sell tickets. And, and it's just the reality of the situation. Look, the, the ticket staff with the Ice Bears is great. We've got great people working in the sales office that are going to do everything they can to make sure that there is a, there are large crowds at those Sunday games. But the reality is, it's just easier to sell tickets for a Friday and Saturday rather than a, a Sunday at 5 o'clock when you've got a school night. Sunday for a lot of families is a family day. You've it, It's a work night. It, it's, just so, it's just different. And, you know, we've already had people say on social media, well, we need those weekends. Like, we can't reschedule. Or we had one person reach out to us and say, man, we were in town from Montana. That was going to be our only time to see a hockey game. Now we don't get to see a game at all. So, it, you know, it just it, it sucks for everybody. We hate it for the fans because... Obviously, everybody was looking forward to watching the Ice Bears at home. Knoxville hadn't played a home game since November 24th. I mean, we get, they had gone three full weeks without playing in front of their own crowd. Um, it was going to be great, I think, from a competitive standpoint um, because you know, a team is playing really well. And, and you know, the upcoming weekend can still be really good from a competitive standpoint. But you, know, you kind of mentioned, and not to count out any team because just simply because of travel issues, but... When you look at Quad City, they had to play Peoria on Thursday and Friday. They dealt with suspensions in that game against Peoria. So then they go into Saturday uh, short. They would have gone into Saturday shorthanded. Instead, now they're having to work out their suspensions for Thursday's game. And then they would have had this short turnaround having to drive to Knoxville for their third game in three days in three different cities. I mean, what, honestly, like what team do you think has the advantage? Like Knoxville from a logistics standpoint that, and again, you still have to go out and play the game. You can't get overconfident. But I think if you asked either team, hey, who would you rather be in the situation, the team that's only playing its second game of the weekend, both at home, or the team that's playing its third game of the weekend, having to travel 10 hours through the night on the road, having just had two players suspended, and you know, now, now, and coming off a really physical game against Peoria. So, you know, anybody would answer, oh yeah, like we'd rather be the Knoxville in this situation. We'd rather be team A. And so, and obviously it doesn't mean that if Knoxville doesn't beat Roanoke on January 7th and doesn't beat Quad City on March 24th, that, oh, we would have had these four points. doesn't mean anything. Like ultimately Knoxville could have just lost those games as easily as it could have won them. But again, you're talking about a team that was, that has been playing really well. Knoxville's won seven of its last eight. It's lost, it, it won seven of its last eight. It's won five straight games. It's won eight of 11 since Andrew Harrison took over. And so, yeah, it would have been a, you know, maybe an advantageous position for Knoxville, especially its first Saturday game. And for Quad City, their first game in the South, first game outside the Midwest. Instead, now they get two games against Birmingham and Huntsville to kind of get ready to play Knoxville this upcoming Saturday. Roanoke obviously is not afraid of, you know, playing in Knoxville. Um, when it, it eventually will uh, later on in December, but you know Roanoke is you know it's played Birmingham, it's played uh, it's played Huntsville, it's played Fayetteville. Like you know Roanoke's been around the block enough; they've played just about everybody in the league, so that they feel prepared both at home 
and on the road. Birmingham has already played in Knoxville this season. That's who the Ice Bears will now take on on Friday. So it's just kind of how everything shakes out for the Ice Bears. But, you know, the ticket staff is is working tirelessly, and now they have to kind of start from scratch again, especially for that Friday game with a much shorter turnaround. And it's just unfortunate. Um, and so it, it kind of hurts the organization across the board. You know, fans, it's unfortunate for you all because – you know, now instead you're used to having all these Friday, Saturday games, and there really weren't a whole lot of Sunday games on the schedule. And now there's two more. And so now you all have to make adjustments for that. The, you know, the ownership was looking forward to it. And it's just, you know, it's, and now city workers and Coliseum workers have to work on a Sunday that they might've had the day off for. So it's, you know, it's just kind of a, a bummer across the board about, you know, this position that the city has put the organization in and there's not really a whole lot that can be do about it, but just really wanted to emphasize that was outside of the organization's control. And I think that's something that sometimes gets lost is that, oh, a hockey team has to postpone games because there's something wrong with their ice. It's easy to look at the organization and say, how do you guys not know how to make ice? You're a hockey team. Well, it's it's not us. It's, you know, this equipment that we asked to be replaced was unavailable. And so now we can't make ice so and and now that's being corrected and we appreciate the city's prompt response to be able to do that and we appreciate the funding that the city has given us over the years um as far as the video board and the you know renovated bathrooms um i I will say this the uh the city's response from the mayor's office if you've been following local news was that the city has invested over 15 million dollars over the last five years in renovating and modernizing the coliseum well modernizations are nice, but an ice chiller isn't a modernization. It's not an upgrade. An ice chiller is what you need to have ice. And so while, you know, people can talk about, well, we've done all these upgrades and we've gotten you a video board and bathrooms and all this stuff, that doesn't really mean that you're investing as much into maintenance and just maintaining the building. And look, it's an old arena. The Coliseum was built in 1961. We get it. It is an old old building. It is over 60 years old. And there's been a lot of hockey there from the Knights to the Cherokees to the Speed to now the Ice Bears. And the Ice Bears are incredibly grateful to be a part of this community. And and that's why the team is so frustrated. You, you heard Mike Murray talking about it. It needs funding. It needs to be maintained for the Ice Bears to survive in Knoxville. Simply because the team needs a rink. The team needs a place to play. Now, you can't really, you know, you don't really have that issue in a lot of other sports. Like One Knox SC, the new soccer club that came up here, you know, they've been um, working on a new facility since the club was born, but they've just they've just played games at other soccer fields. You know, they're going to go play at Regal Soccer Stadium where the Tennessee Lady Vols soccer team plays. They've played at local high schools. They played at Austin East High School. Like, they, you know, they just, they've played at Knoxville Catholic High School. So, you, you know, you can do that with other sports, but... It's not that simple when you need a arena that can house an ice rink, that has a functioning ice chiller, an ice plant, all that stuff. And seeing some comments on social media from Peoria fans that it, you know, it sounds like maybe the, the Rivermen have dealt with a little bit of a similar situation up in Illinois. And so if you're not an Ice Bears fan and you're listening to this podcast, kind of wondering, okay, what exactly is going on? Hopefully this has helped you kind of see things from a broader perspective as far as what's been going on. But but just wanting to emphasize, it's not an organizational situation, and it's not on ASM either. And just wanted to make sure that that was made clear through this podcast. But again, upgrades are one thing, but you know, maintenance is something that really we shouldn't have to ask for. And so 
what the team is really wanting to take away from this is that the Ice Bears are incredibly grateful to be in Knoxville because the support has been overwhelming. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, passionate fan bases in other sports and that there are other colleges and other towns like Peoria has Bradley. Um, there's the University of Alabama at Huntsville. There's Mercer University down in Macon, West Florida and Pensacola, um, Methodist University out in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And the list goes on and on and on. But let, let's be honest. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to play down to any other market that's in the SPHL. No SPHL market has a college fan base like what the University of Tennessee has in Knoxville. It's not even close. Let's be honest. It's the only power conference school in Division I athletics across the board in the SPHL. And I get that there are other markets that are a little bit closer. There's a lot of Alabama fans in Huntsville. There's a lot of Alabama fans in Birmingham. I, I get that. And, you know, there's other Division I schools, uh, UAB and Birmingham. I get all that. Knoxville is... You know, the Knoxville Civic Coliseum is a stone's throw away from UT's campus. It's a five-minute drive from Neyland Stadium. There is not a single sports town that deals with the pageantry and prominence of a school in the SPHL the way that Knoxville has the University of Tennessee. And the Ice Bears love that about Knoxville. We've got a great relationship with the University of Tennessee, the athletics department. That's why we do an all-vol night every year. That's why we coined the term hockey top because we really love our partnership with UT. That's why we get Tony Vitello. He loves the ice bears, the baseball team. They love coming out. We've had football players and uh, head basketball coach, Rick Barnes and women's basketball coach, Kelly Harper. We, we love the relationship that we have with UT. We love being a part of the sports scene and we love, and that really goes to show how passionate of a sports town Knoxville is because Knoxville has the university of Tennessee and the baseball teams playing well and the football teams you know, being relevant again with Josh Heupel and, you know, it's always a big deal. And when it's, when football's not doing well, fans are up in arms because they love the Tennessee football team. Lady Vols have, uh, you know, had good results in recent years. Men's basketball teams had really good results under Rick Barnes in recent years. And despite all of that, this town has made more than enough room to have a minor league hockey team for now more than two decades. And that's awesome. That's what makes Knoxville so special as a sports fan base. And, and look, I, I see, you know, I've gone to every other rink in the SPHL. I see what makes these other towns special, but you have to admit, it's really, really impressive the way that Knoxville has made room for minor league hockey and in, in what many would consider a non-traditional hockey market. When the Nashville Predators made the Stanley cup finals back in 2017, game six in Nashville market square in downtown Knoxville filled with golden Navy people out there to watch game six of the Stanley cup final on a projector screen filled with people. It was awesome. This town will embrace a winner. This town will get behind sports in this state, in this city. And that's what makes Knoxville so special. So the big takeaway is, yes, like we're frustrated with how this could have been prevented by city administration, and it wasn't. But we also want to make it known that the Ice Bears love being a part of this community and want it to stay that way. And we're, we're, we appreciate the investment that we've gotten from city administration. We just asked that it would continue and that there would be more of it so that we can continue to bring the community the product that it's come to enjoy for what is now our 22nd season. And when you look across the board, okay, about 63 years, 62, 63 years since the Coliseum was built, there's been professional hockey in that building for 41 of those. So for more than... So for about two-thirds of the Coliseum's existence, it has housed a pro hockey team, including 25 consecutive years since the departure of the Knoxville Cherokees in 1997. So the three years of the speed, and now 22 years of the Knoxville Ice Bears. 
we want to continue to be a part of the community, and we hope that the city knows that. And the fan base has been incredible. Attendance has grown. Um, you know, if you're an Ice Bears fan, whether you're uh, whether you've got a back tattoo of the Ice Bears logo or whether you're ringing cowbells in the M1 Mafia, um, or even if you're just a casual fan that comes to maybe one or two Ice Bears games a year, knowing that all of that has contributed to what the organization has had from a success point over now now more than two decades. And uh, that does not go unnoticed. So please note that and how appreciative the Ice Bears are to be in Knoxville, Tennessee. So no, I dragged on there a little bit, a little bit of a longer podcast than usual, but appreciate you taking the time to listen to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Again, games this upcoming Friday and Saturday at the Civic Coliseum. Tickets are available at KnoxvilleIceBears.com through Ticketmaster uh, this Friday the 22nd against Birmingham and then on Saturday the 23rd against Quad City. Big games coming up through the rest of December. Matchups with Roanoke, Fayetteville. A lot of big games for the Knoxville Ice Bears. We'll have the call for you 6 o'clock both Friday and Saturday on WKCB, the flagship station of the Knoxville Ice Bears. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you for listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast.